around the corner. People will be scattered here and yonder. And uh, some has already started summer early and already vacationing and ask God to protect and uh, watch over everyone as we travel uh, around the countryside, bring us all home safe. And uh, I want to thank everyone that uh, come out to help us celebrate Tammy's graduation out to the house. And uh, thank you very much for coming out and being with us. We do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for that. And then we left. We had to leave about 5.30 and go to the graduation there in Beaumont and uh, left Brother Randall there serving for those who would come in later. And uh, when we got home, everything was cleaned up. And thank you, everybody. Uh, Brother Randall said he didn't do a lot of it, but he was in charge of it, making sure it got done. So everyone that allowed Brother Randall to boss you around Thursday evening, we do appreciate it. That was very nice. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. That was a great help. And uh, thank you. The jail services is going great. They baptized one last week in the name of Jesus. And then I was, I was talking to Brother Trey uh, this morning before service, and they're going to baptize two more today in the name of Jesus. Thank God. We do appreciate so much these men that has a burden for those who are, are uh, not as fortunate as we are and do not have the privilege to be here. And it could be quite possible that that's the only way they would hear the gospel is being incarcerated where they will not have an opportunity to leave. They, they go to church just to get out of the cell. That's, but uh, anyway, God gets a hold of them there and we are thankful for what God is doing, amen, to make this, this world and this community a better place to live. And uh, so we do thank the men who go over there faithfully every week, every Thursday, and preach to those who are there in Hardin County. And we're looking, hoping, and praying, and you pray along with us that God will open up an avenue into the prison system where we could uh, further this gospel and uh, let God uh, work in there and uh, work through us. If you have your Bibles this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 48. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 48. How many ate real good this morning? Oh, you're going to be in trouble. Do you realize it's been over three weeks since I've preached? I went out a while ago and I told Brother Randall, he said, where are you going? Church is not over. I said, I had to go get the rest of my notes. I couldn't tote them all in here at one time. Those donuts was good this morning. We all went over there. You should have been over there and uh, ate till you were full. Well, we could stay. No, I'm not going to keep you that long, hopefully. But I do have water. And I do have a Bible. What does hinder us from staying all day? First <laughs> uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 48, the scripture says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. Now, if you're not familiar with this, if you'll read a little bit further, not right now, but 
I'll let you in on the story. It is talking about David and Goliath, pretty familiar passage of Scripture. And when David went out to fight the giant, he was on his way out when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. That David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David got in a hurry and read, ran toward what was coming at him. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now this is what I want you to pay close attention to, and this is what I will be preaching about this morning. Therefore David ran. David takes off running again. And he stood upon the Philistine. Everybody said he stood on him. And took his sword, took the Philistine's sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, what did they do? They fled. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning from this subject, complete deliverance. Complete deliverance. There is, there is a lot to say about the story of David and Goliath. It's a very familiar story. You that have been raised in church or raised around church, we all pretty much have heard the story, and uh, we've heard it from about every angle that would be possible. And uh, looking at David and the giant. David killed the giant with just a sling and a stone. And David was a mighty man. David had faith in God. David said there is a cause. And so David went out to fight the giant. David could not use the armor of Saul because David had not proven that armor, but he had proven God. And he didn't know what God was able to do. There is many scriptures in the Bible that, that speaks about deliverance. And it talks about people that has had deliverance in their life. How many in here has ever been delivered of something? Amen. Been delivered. Been set free. That God has worked a miracle in our lives. So many places in the Word of God where it talks about deliverance. But there is places in the Word of God where it says people did not get complete deliverance. And they did not get complete victory. And they did not complete the work 
that had been started in their lives. I was thinking this week and getting ready for this service this weekend and how revival has been so good and people has made new commitments and fresh starts and, and uh, made uh, New Year's resolutions in the middle of the year and uh, started out afresh for God. And that is wonderful and that is good and I feel like that God laid this message on my heart to help somebody this morning to let you know that you can have partial deliverance or you can have complete deliverance. The scripture says in Second Chronicles chapter 12, it tells us a little bit of the story about Rehoboam and Shishak, the king of Egypt. Rehoboam had taken over the kingdom and he had done those things which were displeasing to God. God was not pleased with him, so God sent an adversary unto him. And uh, God sent Shishak, the king of Egypt, and he come against Rehoboam, the king, and began to destroy them. And then the children of God began to repent, and God heard their cry, and God sent a prophet to them, and said, they have humbled themselves, therefore, I will not destroy them. You can read this in your Bible in Second Chronicles chapter 12, in verse number 7. He said, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. My wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. It is not God's will that we should receive partial deliverance. Amen. That is not what God has called us for. That is not what God has called us to. It is not God's will that we should have some deliverance in our walk with Him. You can have total and complete Deliverance in walking with God. Here we find that Shishak came against Jeroboam. And when the enemy came against them, that he began to repent and the children of God began to repent. But they did not totally submit to the will of God that God had for them in their lives. But they got enough they just wanted to kind of straddle the fence, so to speak. Just enough of God to have God just partially on your side. I don't want God to be too mad at me, so I'm going to pray in a little while. I'm going to, I'm going to get a little bit of victory. Amen. This is a way that some people do when they are in the house of God. God begins to deal with them. And God begins to move in their life. And God begins to, uh, to draw them to repentance. Just to move out of the way of conviction. There's a lot of people that are not ready to commit to God, but they come to an altar and they get God. Just I'm, I'm just going to get the preacher off of my back a little bit. I'm going to get God off of my back a little bit. I'm going to move the pressure away a little bit. 
and they begin to pray, but they do not get total and complete deliverance. That is not God's will in our life. We look at Gideon. Gideon, the angel of the Lord, came unto Gideon. The first thing that he said to Gideon, Thou mighty man of valor. And if you look and you find what Gideon was doing, Gideon had went out and he had got a little bit of wheat out of his own field and he was hiding behind the wine press, threshing the wheat, trying to get a little bit, just enough to sustain him and his family for a short period of time. Just a little bit. And he was hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. A man that was in hiding. A man that was scared. Because the angel of the Lord knew what Gideon could do with the power of God. If he would have enough determination to step out by faith. And so here Gideon is hiding behind the wine press. He gets a little bit and the angel of the Lord calls him and says, Gideon, you don't have to have partial. You don't have to have a little bit. You don't have to have just enough. But you can have all that God has to give to you. All of this belongs to God. All of this belongs to the children of God. But what you have got to do, you have got to make up in your mind that I'm not stopping with a little bit, but I've got a made up mind that I'm going after everything that God has promised to me. Amen. We look in the Word of God and we can find the mighty men of David again in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 verse 22 we find that the scripture is telling a story of David's or it is bringing to record and recording some of the acts of David's mighty men and it says in verse 22 Benai the son of Jehoiada the son of a violent man from Kedzil, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. And then it says something else that is very, very out of character of the mighty men. And it says, now, now there, you wonder just reading this, why would the Bible record this act? Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. Now here he is. Benai was a mighty man. These are not all the mighty works that Benai did. You can read in the Bible and you can find him mentioned time and time again of the mighty acts that he did. And then it says he slew two lions like men of Moab. Two mighty men. Being a lion like man was a vicious man. A strong man. A dangerous man. He slew two of them. And then he also went down into a pit 
and slew a lion on a snowy day. Now why did the scripture even record some act such as this when there were many other things that they could be recording about Benai? And this is what I would like to look at it this morning. Why did the scripture record it? The lion was in a pit. It was a snowy day. The lion was not real active. The lion was trapped. The lion was no way that it could get out. But maybe, just possibly, the lion was not hurting anything or anybody at this time. But maybe, just possibly, the lion could claw its way out of that pit. And then everyone would be in danger. So this man, on a snowy day, on a cold day, it's not a lot of fun on a cold, snowy day to go down and do something you didn't have planned to do when you started out the day. But this man walked by and he seen this lion in the pit. And he realized the danger that he could bring, just possibly. So he went down into the pit with the lion and he slew the lion and it was a snowy day. Why does it record the actions that he took against the lion? Why does it record the time of day that it was? Why was it talking about that it's snowing? What was the importance of that? Because it was an inconvenient thing to do at that particular time. He could have said, I'll come back. He could have said, the lion will eventually die. He could have said, there's no really good reason why I should go down into the pit because it's snowing and it's nasty out here and I'm ready to get home. But he took it upon himself to realize the danger. There was going to be more lions that's going to come by. But he said, this lion from this day forth would not be a threat to anyone else. So he took it upon himself to kill a lion on a snowy day. He had complete deliverance over the lion on a snowy day. Not only was he a great and mighty warrior, but he went out of his way to do things that did not look necessary to a lot of people. No doubt some people were with him and walked by the pit and said there's no use to worry about that. That's of no harm. But he realized, hey, that could hurt somebody one day. There is things in our lives that God has given us deliverance over and helped us to overcome. And then we start getting partial deliverance, partial victories, partial help from God. And then we relax and say, you know, this thing, although it is not completely dead, it's never going to hurt me again. I've got victory over this. But I want to tell you today, it is important that we have not partial, but complete deliverance over the adversary. Amen. 
Amen. We find that David, here he is fighting against the giant. The text that we read this morning. David comes out and all the mighty men of Saul are scared because of a mighty warrior. And David said, I'll go fight this giant. I'll go fight Goliath. And they asked him why. He said, there is a cause. There is a reason. There is a purpose. There's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. There's a reason why we need to kill the giants in our life. There's a reason why we need to keep fighting and not take partial deliverance in our life. But there is a reason why we should come out against the adversary and said, you know, you're standing there defying the armies of God. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You come against me with spear and a shield and, a, and, and weapons of war. But I come against you in the name of the Lord. I want to tell you today, church, it is important in all of our lives that we take dominion over the adversary, the devil that's trying to destroy us. Amen. Here, David is just a young man. Didn't have a lot of victories under his belt. But he didn't know, know what God was able to bring to pass. And so he goes and they bring him before King Saul. Saul puts on his armor. David said, this has not been tried by me. I don't know if this will work for me. So David took it off and took his sling and he went down into a brook. And the Bible tells us that he gathered five smooth stones. And he went up as the army of God was looking over the brook, looking upon the side of the hill. And David went up toward the adversary of his life. And he took the stone out of his bag. And he put it in his sling. And the scripture said that he ran toward Goliath the Philistine. And Goliath took off toward him. Cursing him. And cursing his God. And defying the armies of God. The scripture said that David slung his, his sling and the stone found its mark and found its place in the forehead of the giant and it sunk into his forehead. That was not the force of David, but that was another force from God that guided that stone just where it needed to be. And we all know without a doubt that that was not the complete destruction of the giant. This was a man somewhere around 10 feet tall. And the force of that stone dazed him. And he fell down upon his face. I am a firm believer today. If David would have turned his back and raised his hands in a victory salute, that in a few moments time, that giant would have started coming to again. 
and started getting his legs under him again and crawled back up on his knees and made his way back to his feet. And then David and the armies of God would have been destroyed. But David knew that just because the giant fell on his face, that it was not time to stop now. And it was not time to retreat now. And it was not time to just bask in victory now. But there was still a job that needed to be done. If you read the scripture very carefully, you will find that when the giant fell on his face, the army of the Philistines were still coming at David. And you will read very carefully, you will find that David, when the giant fell, he did not stop running toward the giant. But David kept on running. And he came to the giant. The scripture said that David did not have a sword in his hand. But he climbed upon that big giant of a man. That big proven and tested warrior that had killed many in his path before. And he reached down and he pulled his, his sword out of the sheath. And with all of David's might, he raised it up above his head and come down upon the neck of that giant and cut off his head. Now pay attention very closely what happened at the very moment that David drugged the head of that giant away from his body and began to pick it up in his hands to go on the victory march with God's people. Immediately, not when he fell on his face, but immediately when David took the head off of the giant, the scripture said, the army of the Philistines, when they were running toward David, what did they do? The scripture said, they fled. Because the giant had been utterly destroyed. They knew that it was possible when the giant fell down, they're all looking at a mighty warrior. Now, we've seen the giant stagger before. We've seen the giant in battle before. We've seen the giant in this position before. He's not dead. He's just playing possum a little while. He's not dead. There's no way that a little young man, young lad, can take a slingshot with just a small stone and kill a mighty warrior. No way. So they, they keep on a coming. This can't be happening. This is not true. Just let him lay there. You go ahead and start your victory march now. Because we know the giants getting up again. I want to tell you there's some of you that started out in this walk with God.
and you have staggered the giant. Amen. It reminds me of a boxer that has, was very popular still, very popular, probably one of the most popular figures in boxing, Muhammad Ali. And they called him playing the rope-a-dope. And they'd get the boxing and, and he would stagger around and fall up against the ropes and, and play them and wear them out and let them swing. The big punchers would swing and, and they would take their shot and they would think, we've got a punch drunk now. And what he was doing, he was playing them into his game plan. And he was fast and he would move and he would bounce off of the ropes and he would run over here and he would cover up and they would pound him a little while. And they were swinging with all of their might and they wasn't used to going the distance. They were used to knocking them out in the first three or four or five, six rounds. But Muhammad Ali was wearing them down until he got them into the place that he wanted them. And then he would bring out the haymaker. When they had spent all of their energy and they thought, this is my round. All of a sudden he would come back with a vengeance and come at them with everything that he had. And so many times get them and they were wore down. They've been chasing him all over the ring. They wasn't accustomed to that. And he had wore them down until he got the punch that he wanted and would take them out and win the fight. The devil knows how to play the game. You're not the first one the devil's ever tried to work on. You're not the first rodeo that the devil's ever been in. This is not the first time the devil's ever seen this happen. The devil knows what he's doing. He's got a game plan and he's laying dormant in so many lives today. Amen. The scripture said that when the house has been swept and garnished, the devil leaves and he goes searching to and fro. And when he don't find a place to rest, he comes back to the house that has been cleaned. And he comes in and he enters there. And the latter state of that person is worse than the first. I want to tell you today, it's time for complete deliverance over the adversary in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here David takes off the head. And when he drags the head away from that big massive body. And he's struggling getting it up to his chest. And he shows the army of the Philistine. This devil is dead. There might be another giant that's come along. Amen. You find that David fought Philistines until his dying day but he never fought Goliath again why because he took off his head amen I want to tell you today that deliverance is yours deliverance can be had complete deliverance can be had but you have got to make up in your mind hallelujah hallelujah this is what I want this is what I've got to have. This is the deliverance I've got to get to. I can't have partial deliverance. 
I want to tell you, God will give you complete deliverance over alcohol. God will give you complete deliverance over cigarettes. God will give you complete deliverance over drugs. God will give you complete deliverance over carousing. God will give you complete deliverance over partying. Amen, partying. Amen. God will give you complete deliverance over whatever comes against you because greater is He that is in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, God will give you complete deliverance over pornography. God will give you complete deliverance from whatever is ailing you and whatever is afflicting you in your life, keeping you from being what God wants you to be. Amen. But what you have got to do is make up in your mind. I did not come and I did not start in this race to stop. I did not come this far to quit. But I've got a made up mind. I'm going to press through to victory. I'm going to take some giants heads off that has reared their self in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil will try to talk to you. The devil will try to convince you not to go ahead and complete the work. Amen. Amen. I love to hunt. I enjoy going out and hunting. I can shoot a deer from a distance. I can shoot a deer with a bow. But man, when one is laying there wounded, I almost have to go get somebody else and say, I can't complete the work. And if we're not very careful, why? Because they lay there so innocently. And the devil in your life will come against you and he say, I really... I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to do anything to you. Just, just, just leave me be. You see, I'm, I'm crippled now. You've done this to me. Look, look, you've had, you've got victory now. You're enjoying yourself now. Leave me be. We can coexist together. We can make it together. We can do this together. Just don't completely destroy me and the devil will make a deal with you the devil will bargain with you the devil will try to convince you oh come on come on man we can you can have this and still have God you can do this and still be on fire for God you can enjoy this and enjoy God. You can enjoy God without being completely and totally committed to God. John 10 and 10 says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He don't come to play games. He don't come to let you coexist with him and God. He comes to utterly destroy your walk with God. And then when he destroys your walk with God, the devil moves in to kill your 
spirit and your soul and then to take your life. As a giant is laying there, David's got the sword in his hand. I'm sure there's something in him saying there's no use to this. This is a bloody mess. This is going to be very gruesome. This is going to be very nasty, David. You're, you're a young boy. Don't, don't, don't start out life this way. Don't, don't do this. But the enemy is still coming. You get the picture today. David's standing here with the sword upon top of the giant. And the enemy is approaching him. And they're running toward him. And something is said, and this is not necessary. He's gone. He's not going to hurt you. It's over. It's done. He's out of here. He's history. And here comes the army. But there's a spirit in David, says, just possibly. This giant is never going to curse God again. This giant, there will be giants to come. They said that one person said that the reason why David got five stones was not because he was scared he was going to miss, but he had four more brothers. I don't know if that's all true or not, but David knew there was giants that was going to come in his future. But from this day forth, this giant. I'm, I'm going a little slow this morning because I want you to get this. From this day forth, this giant's Never going to come against me again. I took care of that one. I took care of that one. I'm moving on to the next giant in my life. And I'm going to take care of that one. Hey Amen. You ever played one of those games that has those little, those little heads that pop up and you have that rubber hammer and you're trying to hit them? You hit one and he pops up. You hit another one. Another one over there pops up. That's just the way the devil's going to do. But you take that one out and bless God, he ain't coming back up again. You take that out of your life. And it's not coming back. You've got, to, you've got to kill it. You've got to destroy it. You've got to get rid of it. You can't pet it. You... Amen. I'm reminded of the lady that took the snake. She found a snake on a cold day. The snake was curled up and he was cold. He was laying on the ground and the lady walked by and the snake says, Please take me and help me. I'm dying out here in this, this freezing temperature. And the lady looks at it and says, I'm, you're a snake. I'm not picking you up. The snake says, oh no, I won't hurt you. I promise you, I won't hurt you. I'm not going to do anything to you. Just warm me up. So the woman takes the snake. She puts it in her pocket. And while time passes by, the snake gets a little warm. And you know what happens to snakes when they get warm. They get ready to move. She reached her hand down into her pocket and the snake bit her. She grabbed the snake out. And looks the snake and says, Snake, you bit me, you ungrateful thing. I picked you up when you were cold. I put you in my pocket and warmed you up. And the snake looked at the lady and said, You knew I was a snake when you picked me up. I want to tell you, the devil is playing games in somebody's life this morning. And he's making deals and he's trying to bargain with you. And he's trying to tell you, I'll give you this ground if you'll give me that ground. And I'll give you this over. I'll let you do this if you'll let me do that. I'll let you have this if you'll let me stay here. We won't ever conflict each other. We, I, won't, I won't stop you from coming to church. I won't stop you from worshiping. I won't stop you from feeling God. Just leave me be. Leave me dormant. Just have some deliverance. Have some victory. Have some 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 sort 
short of feel good spirit. Amen. But I want to tell somebody this morning that you have come to the place where God is calling you not just to partial, but complete deliverance. Get the devil out of your life. Get the devil out of your home. Get the devil out of your situation. There will be more to come in the future. But take care of the one that you're fighting against at this present time. Amen. Amen. The scripture says, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 through 18. Tells us finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. Now, now look at me and, and listen, listen to what I have to say this morning. Reading this scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. And see if this says anything about retreat. And anything about compromise. And anything about coexisting with the enemy. He said, God, that... We, ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye, ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now when you read about the armor of God, do you read anything in there that would be a weapon just to make you coexist with the devil? These are all weapons where you can fight against the adversary. Where you can completely destroy the adversary. Not just get along. Not just coexist. But take what God has rightfully given you. Amen. Coexisting will bring danger. We find that Saul did this in, in his uh, kingdom. God told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Because of what they did to the children of Israel when they were going to the promised land. Saul went over and he decided to save the best of the cattle. The best of the herds. The best of this. The best of that. And so he comes back and Samuel comes to him and says, what's this I hear? And he said, well, you know, we've seen some good things and we brought them back to offer them to God. He let some exist. And he said, we can coexist with them. They'll never hurt us. They'll never come against us again. We're stronger than they are. A few years down the road, we find that Saul is on Mount Gilboa. 
and an arrow finds him and causes him to lay there and he is gasping for breath for his life. And he's thinking about the enemy that's going to come and take him alive. He cannot run, he cannot escape. And he hears a rustling in the bushes and he says, who art thou? And he says, I am an Amalekite. And he said, would you come and fall upon me that I may die? You know who did it? The Amalekite said, yes, sir. I'll be glad to. It was something that God said, destroy. That Saul said, we can coexist together. He had deliverance. Some deliverance but not complete deliverance. I want to tell you, it's good to have some deliverance. It feels good. But it really feels good to be completely set free. Will there ever be anything to bother me again? Oh, yes. But that won't. You take a step, you draw a line, you take another step. And you draw another line. And you keep on a marching until we find ourselves in glory. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. In John chapter 19 as they were crucifying him. He was hung on the cross. He says in verse number 26 through 30. When Jesus therefore saw his mother. And the disciples standing by. Whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, whom, or he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he saith unto his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus knowing, Jesus is hanging on the cross here, Jesus knowing that all things, Jesus knowing that all things, were now accomplished. The scripture might be fulfilled. Saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it on upon Hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It was not finished when he was baptized. It was not finished when he turned the water into wine. It was not finished when he healed the lepers. It was not finished when he opened the blinded eyes. It was not finished in the Garden of Gethsemane. You say, oh, that's Jesus. So that's a whole different story. No, he fought against the adversary of his soul. That says, look at all of this. I'm going to give it to you. If you'll just bow down and worship me. But he went into the wilderness. And fasted 40 days. Until he finished the work. He finished that. And he went on to something else. It was not finished when he fed the 5,000. 
But when it was all accomplished, when it was all done, he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Some of you might be looking at your life and saying, oh, I got a blessing. I've got, I've got partial victory. I'm, I'm doing good. It's not finished yet. You keep on a fighting. You cut off this giant's head and you move on to another giant. You cut off that one's head and you move on to a better victory. Another victory. Brother Mark said something the other day that was so true in preaching. He said that, that caught my attention, that stood out. He said, you're either going into a trial, coming out of a trial, or going into another trial. So you're either fighting a devil, you just got through fighting a devil, or you're going to fight another devil. That's what our spiritual warfare is. That's the reason why in Ephesians, Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Don't ever get to the place where you think, I can take it off. I'm not going to need it any longer. I'm not going to need this any longer. I've got, I've got, it, I've got it under control. I've learned how to do it. Complete deliverance. I don't know why I've slowed down this morning. I didn't preach this quite as fast and furious as what I thought in the beginning. But I believe God's trying to talk to somebody in that small, still voice today. What you've got is good, but there's more to it. What you've done is great. But it's not over yet. Where you're at's a good place. But keep on climbing. Keep on praying. Keep on fasting. Keep on working. Keep on living for God. Keep on keeping on. Amen. Saints of God that has been serving God some maybe 50 or 60 years in this building today can testify to the fact you kill one devil and you move on to the next one. You kill that one. And there's another one. But when you utterly destroy it and you get complete deliverance, you don't have to worry about fighting this one and that one at the same time. In David's life, there was going to be another giant, another Philistine, that he was going to fight all the days of his life. But he never fought Goliath but one time. And when you get victory, when the devil sees that you have got victory, when the devil sees that you mean business, all when you kill the big devil, all the little imps is going to take off fleeing in the other direction. Because they see, hey, that guy's got something. He, he's not playing games. He's not just here... He's not here wasting time. He's not here just going through the motions. That's serious business right there. The devil will come again. He will come back. But when he sees you mean business, and he sees you taking off his champion's head, he's going to say, oh my goodness, we're in trouble now. We've got to fight right now. But when he sees you relaxing, And he sees you trying to coexist with him. He knows that he's got you in the place that he wants you.
Let's pray right now. God, we need you today. You see every need in this place right now, Lord. You see every situation. You see every problem. You know what every person in this place is going through right now. I know, God, that you're able. I know, God, that you gave me this message for a purpose and for a reason. I know, God, that, that you're in this place to help somebody right now. Right now, God, we ask you to step into this place today. You see every person that's battling, that's fighting, that's enjoyed a partial and some deliverance. God, I want you to help them right now that you would stir up something in their spirit. Something in their heart right now, God, that would help them press through to complete, 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 complete deliverance right now, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's, let's get our minds on the Lord right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I believe that God has spoken to somebody in this place. And if you are here in this house this morning, and the devil's been talking to you this week, trying to convince you to coexist with him, trying to tell you it don't take all of that, no necessar not necessary to do that, not necessary to be that committed. I want to tell you there's help in this altar for you today. And God is talking to you. God is here to strengthen you. God is here to encourage you. God is here to bring you to complete, complete deliverance this morning. If you're struggling with things in your life. God is here to bring you through to complete deliverance. You say, oh, this is not hurting me right now. You better go down into that pit. And you better take that lion out of your life. You better kill the lion. You better kill the giant. You better take care of the adversary of your soul. Let's all stand right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just a few more minutes. Help me right now, church. God, in your precious name, I wonder if you'd come today and lift your hands toward heaven and say, God, you've talked to me. God, I've heard your voice. And I want strength.